This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, January 5th, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. The strategy for the American military from the President and the Pentagon represents a shift in some small ways, such as a reduced emphasis on nuclear weapons. But like so many strategy outlines, the latest one regularly justifies the military's status quo. Benjamin Friedman, Research Fellow in Defense and Homeland Security Studies at the Cato Institute, comments. The President and the Secretary of Defense are trying to explain something about their strategy for defense spending for the next uh, several years. And it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of meat to it, if I understand you correctly. So what is important in what the president and the secretary of defense have told us? The president and and the the Pentagon have agreed basically to uh, cut the defense budget a bit um, over the next 10 years. Now, of course, this president won't be president for 10 years uh, and uh, maybe not even for three years. But um, they have this new tra- tra- trajectory for Pentagon spending, which would cut it uh, by uh, about 8 percent in real terms over that period if the plan stayed in place, which, by the way, is unlikely. Um, so um, that's a real cut, and it's, it's uh, although it's not very big. It's actually growth in nominal terms, just growth slower than inflation. Um, even that small cut has a lot of people uh, in the Pentagon as backers on Capitol Hill and think tanks and so forth quite upset. And uh, one of the charges being leveled against uh, the president, uh, particularly after the Budget Control Act, which in some ways uh, made it easier to cut the defense budget or, or pressured uh, the president and the Congress to cut the defense budget. Um, one of the charges leveled against the president is, well, this is it's math driving strategy, ironically to use Robert Gates. Robert Gates's terminology. It's it's the you know the cart is before the horse here. Uh, we're just you know um, meeting budgetary targets and, and they don't have anything to do with the threats in the world and our strategy. So this strategy document that came out today, I think, covers the president and the Pentagon in that regard. Now they can say, well, no, 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 uh, our budget, um, this new plan um, is driven by this this strategy that we've come up with, and uh, I think this is actually typical. I, we we have this way of talking about politics overall, and particularly defense politics in the United States, where we sort of pretend that it's more scientific than it is, that we have these high-level discussions about uh, policy and and what the best path is, leaving aside uh, your ideological preferences, and that these um, sort of scientific discussions about what policy ought to be are ultimately reflected uh, in the budget. Uh, and in policy, in, in the uh, day-to-day policy in the agencies. And I think it's closer to the other way. It, it's really usually the cart that is before the horse in politics and that the status quo, what we're doing, has interest behind it. And, and those interests uh, cause the status quo to continue and the policies to continue. And then we invent uh, rationales for why we're doing what we're doing. So it's, it doesn't flow entirely one way or the other, and I don't want to be too crude about it. But anyway, this is just another example, I think, of where you know we're justifying uh, what we're doing more than figuring out what we're doing with, with a strategy document. Is there anything in the strategy document that actually fundamentally changes uh, the U.S. military's approach to how we deal with the world? The significance of the of the strategy document, this strategy document, or any uh, politically, is that it's just something people can point to uh, when they are they're having fights and when they want to do things in the in the military um, in, in coming budget fights. So say, well, the strategy says this, so you got to do this, um, w- which is consistent with uh, w- whatever it is they're arguing for. Um, so in this case, th- this document reflects 
a change in the way the United States is thinking uh, about ground combat in that um, thankfully you know, we've learned the hard way that um, prolonged occupations of countries that would prefer not to be occupied by the United States military are probably a bad way to go, certainly as a tool of counterterrorism and uh, we're not going to do it or at least we become uh, more shy, uh, uh, less likely to have those sorts of wars. And they say that uh, in, in this document. Uh, the administration I think deserves some credit for that. Um, and therefore, they say we can cut the size of the ground forces a little bit. Um, uh, ground forces, of course, uh, the Army and the Marines do most of the work, certainly not all the work, but most of the work in occupational wars. And this strategy says, well, since we're not going to be occupying countries anymore, let's cut the those ground forces a bit. Uh, they, of course, grew in starting in 2007, 2008 in response to the wars. So this is just sort of a, a reversal of that. And that, that's really the biggest – shift in this um, in this document, which will be, I think, somewhat reflected in the new budget. And then uh, another one is that they're gonna, there's going to be some sort of mild drawdown uh, in Europe, which is going to make way for putting some troops uh, into Asia. What exactly the parameters are of that, they haven't said. This document doesn't say. Uh, I don't know if they've figured it out yet. But I imagine it'll be something on the order of, you know, instead of having 80,000 troops in Europe, we'll have 50,000, something like that. It's not going to be a withdrawal from Europe. Um, unfortunately, from my perspective. And then they say we're sustaining our presence um, in the Persian Gulf or Middle East. And um, if you say, well, what does that mean? Uh, I don't think anybody, including the people writing the document, have figured out what the answer is yet. A sort of third um, minor difference in, in our approach to defense policy reflected in this document has to do with uh, nuclear weapons. And um, the strategy has a line that says we might not need uh, all the um, nuclear weapons we had for our deterrence needs. Uh, and what that means, uh, we don't know. And whether or not changes uh, to the, the triad, which is, of course, the three ways we deliver nuclear weapons, bombers, intercontinental ballistic missiles, and submarines, uh, whether or not there'll be changes in that, we don't know. But um, I think it's at least a step in the right direction because we have way more nuclear weapons than we need. I mean, you could be the most sort of murderous, bloodthirsty person in the world, and you could say, look, with submarines and ICBMs, we got it all to deter and to fight nuclear wars. So uh, why, do we, why do we need bombers, for example? So um, the administration is beginning to look at that a little bit. If they wind up doing anything really significant, I'd be surprised, but they at least uh, mentioned it in this document. So just to recap, uh, if I understand you correctly, the chief use of this document uh, as a a policy tool is to justify a very broad range of policy prescriptions from uh, widely varying people. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's um, it's a group written document, so it's it's you know any anything that's sort of committee written, even if the president of the United States involved, as he apparently was here, it's not one person's uh, set of ideas. There's all sorts of compromises with the bureaucracies that are baked into it, so it winds up being really sort of uh, empty and, and unclear language because it's sort of the nature of getting everybody to sign up. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I, I think that people ought to pay more attention to the budget. And you know, budgets tell you a lot more about relative priorities than strategies, which uh, claim that that's what they're doing. Benjamin Friedman is a research fellow in Defense and Homeland Security Studies at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.